the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Here on CBS Sports, that's Bud Elliott, that's Danny Cannell, that's Tom Fernelli, I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Come in, smash that like, smash that subscribe, join the conversation if you're watching us live, and if you're taking us in later, well, then yeah, just make sure that you're subscribed as well so that you get notifications every single time a new episode drops, every single time we go live. Today's order of business, we are going to keep this win totals machine rolling. We turn our attention to the Atlantic Coast Conference. It will be the Atlantic Division here on this Monday. We will do the Coastal on Wednesday, and then it will be the Big Ten the week after that, the SEC the week after that. Then it's time for win totals locks, and then, oh my goodness, that's, that, that is the start of the season. So we're very excited as we inch closer and closer to the beginning of the college football season. So, um, with no other business, any breaking news? Uh, I know that Illinois has some transfer, uh, some Cody some big time, some big time transfer news, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, Adjust your expectations. Adjust your power ratings and your expectations. The Fighting Illini got a little better today, so uh, Tom Fernelli, very happy about that. But uh, are we ready to uh, just go ahead and jump right into this? The ACC Atlantic, yeah, let's go, Danny Cannell, yes, Barton, let's go. All right, the general manager of Vanderbilt football to get us going. As much as I think it's the, the under Count is a safe up. play, like I can't even. Count them up. Count them up. How many kids are going to win this fall? I can't fathom who wins. How many kids are going to win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. So for the first time since 2008, the ACC Atlantic Division was won by a school that was not Clemson or Florida State. And for the first time since 2014, it was won by not Clemson. But the Clemson Tigers do lead us off as they have the highest win total in the division and the highest win total in the conference. Clemson's win total pulled from Caesar Sportsbook this Monday morning at 10.5, minus 115 to the over, minus 115 to the under. The non-conference does include a very, very fun November trip to South Bend to play Notre Dame. Those Clemson-Notre Dame games have given us some classics in recent years. The rest of it, pretty man. 
manageable. We got Furman, we got Louisiana Tech, and of course, the season finale at against South Carolina, but Shane Beamer uh, does have to come to Death Valley. That's also where Mario Cristobal and the Miami Hurricanes, probably the toughest conference foe on the schedule, uh, one of the toughest conference foes on the schedule. That game is going to be at home. NC State, another candidate for the toughest conference game. That game is going to be at home. So with an over-under win total of 10.5, again, minus 115 to either side, what are our thoughts on the Clemson Tigers as they look to rebound from a down year of 10 and 3 in 2021? Does anybody have a strong play on this? No. I'm not it, in like my best. I'm not going to do Bud's voice, but like it, the Bud line, I'm not rushing to bet this. You know, like I'm I'm not rushing to bet this, but my my lean is over because I don't see for sure two losses. I, I feel pretty confident that, yeah, there's, there's probably one loss out there, but even at my, I apologize if I've repeated this, but even average quarterback play gets Clemson to 12 and 0 or 11 and one. They had the DJ Uyunglele had the worst passer efficiency rating in the entire ACC, uh, nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions, just absolutely horrendous. And, so even just getting back to average level power five quarterbacking with a defense that's this good, they have six defensive linemen that I think would start almost anywhere and they're going to be rotating those bodies in and out. I think that the shakeups on the staff don't change my power rating of them much. They got two great running backs in Will Shipley and Kobe Pace. They, I think they just be in a, a, a like a 2011 SEC team where you've got a, a defense of NFL dudes and an offense that just manages the game. I think that gets them a, a win against most of the opponents on these on the schedule. So I just don't see 10 and two. And so I, I feel strong, but like again, the Bud Elliott line, I'm not rushing to bet this. Yeah, I want to. I feel more bullish when, like, when I hear you talk and I look at how good they. I mean, they lost to Georgia by a pick six. That was the difference in them and the national champion. And yet we saw how bad it got. Overtime against NC State, like, and they're a one loss team last year with, and it what the worst quarterback playing the ACC is that safe to say and that's not a knock on it's just a fact Certainly at the bottom yeah I mean, it was awful when you watched it and so here's the one of two things are going to happen either Dabo's right and DJ's back or I think they go to Cade Klubnik but I think either way the quarterback play will improve the one big unknown for me is the Brent Venables loss like that has been a constant for that defense which is a big reason they were able to go nine and three in the regular season last year was because their defense um, played such a big role in it. But like you mentioned, they got a lot of dudes on the front seven that are still just as dominant. I had them. So the only reason I do think their schedule is kind of tricky. Like I, I didn't there, but the games like that I have as toss ups, like who do I trust more? Notre Dame, Miami, even Wake and NC State. So there's were like the four games I had as even, I don't want to say toss ups, but like, what do you think the point spread will be on those, bud? Like on which ones? On those like, at Wake Forest, they'll still probably be pretty significant, right? They'll NC be double State digits at, at Wake home. Forest, I think. What about NC State at home? Probably a touchdown. Yeah, so maybe, like maybe that six. one was maybe an iffy, but they're still going to be favored in all their games. I just don't yeah. see them. So I'm I'm on the over. I guess I, I I'm, I'm not rushing to bet it, but I feel better about saying it. You know, like I feel good about it, but I wouldn't wouldn't load up the house on this thing. Yeah, I'm on the over two, but I don't have 
much confidence at all in it. Like, like, yeah, I'm not rushing to bet it. I'm not betting it at all. And not, no, not only am I not rushing, I'm not moving to bet it. And I, I think, you know, we talk about it a lot. Like when, when it comes to Texas A&M, we talk about one of the things that always concerns us about them is like the lack of the explosive plays, particularly in the passing game. Well, like Clemson last year ranked 122nd nationally in explosive pass rate. Northwestern was ahead of Clemson. And I I expect that that will improve this year. I, I almost I feel like it almost has to. They were just that bad. Like when you're down there with Northwestern, Syracuse, Ball State, Rutgers, Indiana, New Mexico, those teams, it's not great. But my concern, like Danny, you said defensively, like this is a team last year that won 10 games because its defense was just too damn good to let it lose a lot. And I still think the defense is going to be too damn good to let it lose too much. But Will there be any kind of drop off without Venables there? Will they maintain? Will they improve? I don't know. That's a question mark that I just typically haven't had with Clemson in recent years. Maybe the offense gets better with a new play caller coming in. So there's a question mark I haven't had. I just think that when I look at this team talent wise and schedule wise, it's I think they're the best team in the conference. I think that if you look at the schedule, like you said, Danny, they're going to be favored in just about every game, probably except for maybe at Notre Dame, depending on how the Irish look at that point. But I just they can trip up and go 10 and two. They could go nine and three. But I just think it's I don't have much confidence in this either way. I'm kind of going over by default just because it's Clemson. I'm right there with you. My, my numbers actually say this is a slight under, but it's not something that I'm I'm playing at this point. Uh, I, I'm not often playing 10 and a half to the over unless your, your name is, is Bama, mm-hmm. Ohio State or you know back when Boise really didn't play anybody. Uh, Boise. What position do you think that they're going to be worse at this year? I have to feel that quarterback will likely be better. Uh, I think running back should be better. I mean, Will Shipley is a year older. I, I think just, Justin Ross was sort of a shell of his former self last year when he came back. And, and I have some confidence that they'll be better at receiver as well. And, and importantly here, I think Clemson has a greater diversity of bodies who are now ready to play. Not everybody is 6'4", 210, trying to play the X, Y, and, and, and your slot stuff. So, I'm kind of encouraged by that. You get four starters out of five back on the offensive line, so that's encouraging. And I'm playing around here with the defense, and I don't think the defense can be better than it was last year because they do have significant losses in the back seven with you know Skalski mm-hmm. and Specter, and uh, you, know, you lose some corners who are pretty damn good. But Tyler Davis only played 300 snaps last year, guys. You know, Brzee got banged up uh, for for a long stretch, so you get those two dudes who I think are NFL dudes back. At, I'm very confident this defense will still be damn good. I, I think I think West is a great hire. I, I'm a little concerned that they promoted from inside, uh, promoted from within on offense. Like that offense last year, I thought schematically was poor. Like, look, look at how they did on, on on standard downs, right? And Conley always talks about, hey, if you're bad on standard downs, that could be more coaching. If you're down on if you're bad on passing downs, that probably comes down to who you have athletically. Like like when everybody knows you got to pass, can you do it? They were horrendous on early downs, and I wonder if they can be a little more creative this year. Uh, but also if the quarterback play will, will allow them uh, to do that. They really were pretty poor on the things that you would think would help a quarterback maybe steal some some yards on, on early downs. I, if I had, like, you probably can't say gun to the head anymore. If I had to bet this, Say I'm, I'm, I'm going over just because I who, – who blocks them? Right. Okay, <laughs> NC State and maybe Notre Dame. Other than it's, that, they should tear up every offensive line they play. 
It's why the I, Wake Forest game is always so sideways. Wake Forest as a team is one of the best teams in the ACC, but specifically with the Clemson game, the reason why it's gone the Tigers' way over and over and over and over again is because that offensive line just gets thrown into the backfield. You can't have a long mesh point to freeze the linebacker or whoever you're going to be keyed in on if all of a sudden here comes Brian Brzee or Tyler Davis and you're sticking your little paw into the mesh point to scoop the ball out. Like it's, It is uh, an advantage that... Like shocking, like Dabo's an old school coach. That guy is like, you know, he's a capital F football guy and he believes that they've got a great defensive line. We're just going to let that group go and win those games. And there's, like you said, bud, there's not a lot of offensive lines that are going to be prepared for it. I just, I can't get this out of my mind now that after you said it, but I'm thinking of Clemson as modern underwear commercials and there's a greater diversity of bodies. Is oh yeah, we're like very. It's Clemson, Clemson sponsored by Dove. Yeah, body body positive. Body types for every receiver. Yeah, Clemson's offense is really body positive right now. I, I would say that I think Bo Collins, you know, who's flashed at times, could be really really good in terms of bringing more to that passing attack. And the off field name that I've got circled, who I I truly I don't want to extend too much credit or blame here. But Kyle Richardson is somebody who was a big-time South Carolina high school football coach. Then he came, and he's been working around the program, held a couple analyst roles, and he was promoted to pass game coordinator and tight ends coach within this big shakeup. Brandon Streeter, of course, we know has been the quarterback's coach. He gets elevated to the new offensive coordinator. But are there other voices in that meeting room that are also taking on new responsibility that allow us to see some new wrinkles that maybe we didn't see from the Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott co-coordinator era? So just something to keep an eye on if we do start to see a little bit of a change in the way that Clemson handles its business. So four overs from the Cover 3 podcast, but no one is rushing to bet it. Count them up! So we take a big jump. Uh, ten and a half for Clemson is the most in the ACC. Then in, you move down two whole wins, and there's a quite a gaggle at eight and a half. We'll start with the NC State Wolfpack, who have an over-under win total of eight and a half. Theirs is heavily juiced to that over. Minus 150 at the Caesar Sportsbook. Plus 120 if you think it's going to be a disappointing season for Dave Doran in Raleigh. The non-con is beautiful, if you can get by ECU, Greenville's going to be on fire. But if NC State can get in and out of Greenville with the win against uh, in-state rivals, then they've got Charleston Southern at home. Texas Tech and first-year head coach Joey McGuire at home. UConn and first-year head coach Jim Mora at home. You go to look at the built-out schedule, North Carolina, of course, from the Coastal Division. They also draw Virginia Tech, but that is another first-year coach in Brent Pry, and that is also at home. They've got to go to Clemson, as we mentioned, and that will be a revenge game after the Wolfpack got that win last year. They also have to go to Louisville. So with NC State coming in, uh, Devin Leary building up a bunch of buzz as one of the better quarterbacks in the league, a defense that played at a really, really high level last year. Can the Wolfpack make it to nine wins and knock on the door of reaching double-digit wins for only the second time in program history? Yeah, I, I think they can. Uh, I If I had to, I, I would take the over on this. I, I had them at like 9.06, so that's that's a half-win advantage for me on this. Uh, I don't think East Carolina is very good, and so I'm not worried about that game to uh, to open the season. Traditional ACC guy in me says, yeah, you got to worry about, about, about going there. I'm, I'm not worried. I, I don't think ECU can play with them. Uh, Texas Tech at home, I like that they saw an air raid last year. and Mississippi State. 
Correct. Yeah. So like at least they and almost the entire defense returned. So like they saw it last year. I think that could help them in their prep a little bit. Tricky stretch in the middle with that Clemson FSU coming off that. But you can lose the Clemson game and you can lose games at Louisville and North Carolina as long as you don't lose any other slip up games. You know, their their draw from from the coastal is it's fairly friendly, depending on what you think of Georgia Tech. Devin Leary takes care of the ball incredibly well. I mean, 35-5 to five touchdown interception ratio. I don't love what they do on offense, to be honest. I think that they waste a lot of passes to running backs and or just try to pound the ball for a second down, and then Devin Leary bail us out. You're our only hope. But he kind of is able to bail them out pretty frequently. I think he's going to be a good NFL player. So for me, it's the over. I, I have them favored in, in, uh, in all but one game. I'm on the over two. I yeah, it's I'm actually kind of comfortable on this over two because I do think they can get to ten wins. I think that the key stretch there, like if you look at this start, I, I'm with you, but I don't think East Carolina, even on the road, is going to be that big of an obstacle. I think that Texas Tech game could get tricky, but other than that, I, I look at this and I see a team that should be six and one heading into that bye. Yep. And then you get to that second stretch there, and it's like, all right, well, can you win three games with th- three home games against Virginia Tech, Wake, and BC, and then a couple road games at Louisville, at North Carolina? I, th- I think they can, and I think they probably will far more often than they don't, although there are some tricky spots here because I do think getting Clemson and Florida State in back-to-back weeks is tough, going you know on the road to Clemson, coming home for FSU. But then I also think going up north for the road to Syracuse on the back of those two games, that could be one of those things like it's after playing two, maybe your bigger games on the schedule in, in your division. And then you're going up north to play Syracuse, a team you might overlook in general, and you're doing it before a bye week. So maybe you get caught sleeping there. So that could be problematic. But really, I just think this is going to be the second best team in the conference, at least the second best team in the Atlantic division. So I do think it's safe to say that they're going to get to the over because I, you know, this might be a spoiler alert for the rest of the show. I'm not super high on the rest of this division this year. Tom, what, what number would you need juice wise to bet the under? Like I was thinking about this. If, if this was like 145. Uh, no, I would probably I start thinking it if I got the 120. It is 120. It's, it's oh, 120 is the over. Yeah. Oh, well, then I would consider it, but I'd still like the over. The over. Okay. I like if we were just doing a competition, like who hits the most overs, this might be one of my favorite ones. I don't love the minus 150 aspect to it. Um, but I, I went through and had eight wins counted up and left toss up games. <laughs> You'll see my a Florida State. And then the la- and that was even before the last two at Louisville at North Carolina, which is tricky. Listen, yeah. you're, t- you're telling me that yeah. NC State might have a really good season going, and they're going to carry that egg and a spoon all the way down to back to back road games to close the year. That could, that could get tricky. But kind of like Tom is saying, I, the rest like I like, and we'll get to them. But some I don't feel great about. I just think too, you're getting, and this was a popular overplay. I think. Bud might have been the first one that was on it last year, weren't you, Bud? That was like all oh, they in opened on it NC like State. like six flat or six and a half, and I was just it it, it closed at like seven and a half. It, it yeah, it was a great over last year. I I'm a little more reluctant to hit it this year, obviously, because I how much right. better is this team than last year's team? Right and now you're you're paying a bigger price. But I'm on the over. Um, one of the f- hilarious uh, disconnects is that Devin Leary, I do think, is one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC. I also believe this offense is like a top 50 offense nationally. Uh, Bud mentioned that like 
you look at it and maybe it's play calling, maybe it's scheme. Um, you know, maybe they're, they've got a great offensive line. You would think that that group with that quarterback would be a little bit more dominant on a down to down basis. But you know, as it is a group that is led by its defense and a quarterback who gets it done on third down in the red zone. And look, I think Dave Dorn's happy with that. You know, we've got this experienced quarterback who's not going to turn the ball over and not going to make mistakes in those key situations of third down and red zone. But you know, this it's they're going to have to win coin flips. But having a good defense and a great quarterback is a good way to win coin flips. And and to echo some of the sentiments you and Bud already shared, like I do have concerns about the play calling on offense for this team because if you look at this offense last year, it's like they probably should run the ball a little less. Like they ranked 88th nationally in success rate on offense, but that was mostly because running the ball they were bad. Like if you look at rush EPA per play, they ranked 99th nationally running the ball. It's like if it's all all the plus, all the positives in their offense, all the good things happened when Devin Leary was throwing the ball. So they either need to improve running the ball or they should just consider not doing it as often. Um, one other thing just for uh, for the NC State listeners out there, because I hear you, you got to know that two places that have been described as a house of horrors for NC State Wake Forest and Boston College, those games are not in Winston-Salem and Chestnut Hill. They are both in Raleigh. So it's it's setting up for something special um, if NC State can go and take care of business. How many games are going to win this fall? Speaking of the Demon Deacons, that brings us to Wake Forest. Wake Forest has an over-under win total of 8.5, uh, pulled from Caesar Sportsbook this Monday morning with minus 115 to either side. The non-conference includes VMI, a trip to go see Barton and Vanderbilt in Nashville, Liberty and Army. Then you go and look at the conference schedule. You've got North Carolina out of the Coastal Division at Duke out of the Coastal Division. And then in division play, uh, Clemson, that game is going to be at home. Boston College, that game is at home. And then you are on the road at NC State. You are on the road at Florida State. You are on the road at Louisville. Sam Hartman is back. A.T. Perry is back. My expectations are that this Wake Forest offense will still be very prolific, especially against defenses that do not have the back seven to be able to handle uh, that passing attack. What are they going to be defensively? They made a changeover at defensive coordinator, brought Brad Lambert back to Winston-Salem, uh, see if that's going to be able to help that side of the ball get a little bit better because when Wake Forest did take its very few losses last season, it was because it could not get stops. And it like snowballs out of control because the offense runs at such a breakneck tempo that if you start getting three and outs, then the defense gets exhausted. It's going to be very important that Wake gets a little bit better on that side of the ball if – they are going to be competing for an ACC championship once again. So the Demon Deacons at eight and a half. What's our pick? Give me the under. Yep. Um, now, look, this team was very lucky last year in games, but it was also unlucky in the preseason when they lost starting tackle Javante Nash and they also lost Donovan Green. So I think w- when I'm looking at, at their stuff, I – I'm, you know, downgrading them some for how lucky they were last year and looking at their their two, you know, their their true performance level. You also have to add back in guys who, you know, should have been on this team and will be on this team this year. But I I look at this, I've got them at 7.8. And so eight and a half here, go ahead and give me the under on this. Uh I, I like Sam Hartman a whole lot. I really trust Dave Clawson as a coach. I think that this offense will still score points. I question the the level of talent on the defense. And and I could be wrong. They could win nine games. And they, it could be that they had a whole bunch of injuries last year on defense, which they did, and those guys stay healthier and they're actually better than I think. But I, I had them as underdogs in four games. 
right? At Florida State, at Louisville, at NC State, and then they all, also against Clemson. And they could, depending on how this year shakes out, be an underdog at home against North Carolina. I don't think so, but at best, that game is is a likely uh, toss up. Yeah, I, I think eight and four is a lot more likely than nine and three here, guys. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, like you guys just said, the offense is going to be fine. They're going to score points. They're going to be fun to watch. But that defense is so bad. And it's hard for me to trust teams with bad defenses to get above eight and a half wins. Like it's hard to win nine games in general. If you have a terrible defense, it's really, really hard. And they had a terrible defense last year. You look at pretty much every kind of key metric and they were in the bottom third of the country in most of them. And I just, even if it improves a little, I don't know if it improves enough to really make up for it. And I look at the schedule like, yeah, okay, they're going to beat VMI. No problem. I don't think Vanderbilt on the road is anything close to a gimme for Wake. I think Liberty, they should beat because, you know, this is the post Malik Willis, but I don't really know. Liberty could probably still put points up on you. Hugh Freeze is still calling plays. I think Army at home, like for a team that couldn't tackle or stop the run last year, and remember what happened when they played Army last season? Like that's six points. That's what that I'm saying. That was the game where all their guys were hurt, though, I think. Like that, that's why I was, was referencing that they might. They might be better on defense just by better health, but I don't think they're going to be that much better, you know? Yeah, so, like, but that's the thing. The, the ability to stop the run or tackle was a prevalent all season long with this defense. So I just, that that's going to be a tricky game to them because of that. Boston College at home, I think, is going to be a tricky game. There are too many coin flips as I go up and down the schedule. Where it's like, yeah, I think they're going to be favored in about eight of these games, but I don't think they're going to be favored by a whole lot in any of them. So... I think that eight and four is a lot more likely than nine and three. So I'm going under. I'm on the over. Yeah, me yeah. too. Okay. I think the game. defense has to get better. And I actually <laughs> like the hire of Brad Lambert. He's done pretty well. I mean, he had Marshall up there uh, playing much better than they were in the past. Quarterback driven game. I trust Sam Hartman. Still has A.T. Perry. I think it's one of the better uh, guys out there. I So, Bud, you said. You think Florida State will be favored in that game? Oh, in Tallahassee, yeah, definitely. You do. I hope they are. If not Wake by like Forest, fourteen, but probably if, by like eight. If Wake is favored coming into Tallahassee, Mike Norvell should probably start looking at real estate listings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had them. Um, I had Florida State chalked up as a W for Wake Forest. Like, who do you trust more at this point? As far as Wake, I also think Wake's a program that really is one of these have benefited from extra years, you know, from COVID, just development, developmental guys. Um, I trust them more than most of the teams in those toss-up games. And I totally hear, like, Army's one. I watched that game last year. I'm like, I put down W, but I'm like, really? <laughs> so I, I'm not – it's not a lock for by any means, but I think it could be a fun maybe a dinner bet or something like that with Bud and Tom. Yeah, f- I, I have four locks for them. So oh, VMI, it. Vandy, Liberty, Duke. I'm very confident they'll win those four. I've got them nine and three. And the similar thread is I just, I, I didn't search it out this way, but I just found the best defensive lines. And those, I said, those are going to be losses, you know, Clemson. And like, I don't know if Florida state's an elite defensive line, but I think Florida state at least has some, some athleticism and some size advantages that are going to be problematic. I've got, so I got Clemson at Florida state and then NC state, which has a terrific defense as we've already mentioned here. I've got Clemson, Florida State, NC State are the losses. But then, like, I think Louisville's going to be a shootout. 
Um, I think North Carolina is going to be a shootout. Every time UNC and Wake play, it's 45-42. Uh, you know, Syracuse, probably going to be another shootout. Duke, Boston College. like These are not great defensive teams, particularly on the front end of the defense. So I, I just don't think that they've got enough of the matchups to exploit the one thing that really seems like uh, the you know Achilles heel to be able to pull this offense apart. So I've got them nine and three. I've got them going over. And it's uh, it's so interesting because any power rating system is never going to be fair to wake because you are going to be taking the talent ratings into consideration. And those talent ratings, they don't have any way to take the incubator, you know, into consider right. like the Dave Clawson, I was talking to my guy Connor O'Neill about this. He calls it the incubator. He's like, Yeah, we bring them in mm-hmm. and then they all redshirt. And then we, you know, slowly start to work them up so that they get old and they stay old. They're filled with, you know, fifth, sixth, you know, fourth year guys all up and down the depth chart. And that kind of player development is very tough to be able to assign a number to. So whether it's point spreads, whether it's win totals, Wake has a little bit of an edge as long as this keeps going. I mean, it, it could bottom out at some point, but I think that it's uh, the numbers aren't always fair to how good of a college football program Wake Forest has become under Dave Clawson. Um, so I've I've got the Deeks at nine and three, and I've got them going over. I mean, just like you look at it this way, as far as the job is when you're trying to figure out how good of a job is Dave Clawson done. The over under for Wake Forest football is eight and a half. We're debating whether Wake Forest can win eight games or nine games. That's just that tells you everything you need to know. Only the second last year, eleven wins. Only the second eleven win season in program history. Um, yeah, it's and and he's entrenched. He's got them. Uh, he's got them motivated. I know that the Wake fans who listen to the podcast don't need us to tell them that uh, the Deeks have tied for the second highest win total in the ACC heading into the season. Mm-hmm. They might not always be second, but they are going to be in the top shelf uh, or the top half for sure of the ACC as long as Clawson is there. Coming up on the other side, we turn our attention to the rest of the division. Their beloved Knowles, Florida State, sitting on a win total of seven. Boston College with another year. Phil Dracovic hopefully going to be fully healthy. Louisville looking to try to go bowling. Syracuse and the rest of the ACC Atlantic next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. The Cover 3 podcast is a nominee for the Best Sports Podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We appreciate all that you guys do for us, and we hope that you enjoy Cover 3 enough to nominate us all the way to the final round. To nominate the Cover 3 podcast, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Toggle down to the sports category. I mean, 
It's not that hard. Podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Toggle down to the sports category and nominate the Cover 3 podcast. The whole process takes less than 60 seconds. And we've included the link at the top of the episode description as well. Go and nominate the Cover 3 podcast for the best sports podcast at the People's Choice Podcast Awards at podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. So we're going to Tallahassee, the Florida State Seminoles. Seven is the win total, around seven. They got minus 110 to the over, minus 120 to the under. And Florida State has one of the tougher schedules, not just in the ACC, but maybe even in the entire country. Then it opens week zero with Duquesne, but then it is just on a roll. You've got LSU. That game's going to be in New Orleans. You've got Louisville. You've got Boston College, Wake Forest. NC State, and as you work your way through conference play, of course, you're going to be playing Miami every single year. That game is on the road. You finish the year. You've got Louisiana, Lafayette, and Florida, though both those games are at home. Not exactly the easiest non-conference schedule. So as FSU draws uh, arguably the top team from the ACC Coastal Division and as Florida State sits on a um, on a non-conference schedule that includes LSU, the Sun Belt, reigning Sun Belt champions, and of course Florida. What what are we doing with uh, with seven wins in a crucial year for Mike Norvell and the Seminoles? I'm not doing anything with seven. I I think that's a pretty good number on this. I'm at like six point eight eight. So um, I mean, if, if there was a seven and a half with even juice, I'd consider the under on that because I think seven's a lot more likely than eight is. Um, Look, when Jordan Travis played, this was a pretty damn good offense. But Jordan Travis is always getting hurt. So I think it's probably an error to project him to play all 12 games. Offensive line should be better. They had a bunch of injuries last year. Most of those guys are back. And they also uh, brought in you know, three transfers who could help them out, depending on what you think of them. I, I think they're, they're, most of them probably will help them out some. Now, they lose two really good defensive linemen in Keir Thomas and Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson's a huge loss. They didn't have to blitz very much down the stretch last year as the defense improved. I think it'll be very solid at the middle. This should be the best linebacking core probably in seven or eight years. Like they finally don't have enormous liabilities at linebacker if uh, if Deloach and Bethune can stay healthy. And I think the secondary should be pretty solid. It just this schedule is really a bear. I, I have no idea if FSU can block LSU. I have LSU as a top five defensive line in the country. Woo. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in that game. Like, they may just get totally ragdolled up front, or they may not. I mean, LSU might not be able to block them either. At Louisville is a really tough one. I have Louisville favored in that. Um, at NC State, at Miami, they get Clemson at home. I, most of their tougher games in the league are on the road. But, I, again, I think seven's a good number. I think this will be an improved team. I, I have it as a top 35-type team in my power ratings. Push yeah, lean no. under. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I guess so. You know, like it's I'd, I'd say I would not bet the over on this one because I think that eight and four is a little bit tough. Uh, I've got LSU, Louisville, LSU at or really at LSU, at Louisville, at NC State, at Miami and Clemson as my five losses. And I am, you know, I'm asking Florida State to beat Florida just to be able to hit seven and five. So depending on what you think of the Gators and what you think of that game. I will then, say I love playing them late, by the way, Chip, because I, Florida's Florida's interior defensive line depth is trash. Oh, so, so you just roll the injury dice. Like the, the chances like, of them being at least a little bit nicked up at the end of the season are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, Florida, there there are very reasonable scenarios in which Florida you know, loses a guy or two in, on the defensive interior and you're just running right over them. But if I'm asking for 
a win against Florida to get to seven and five to get me this push, then I'm going to be like push lean under. I mean, it's like after the week zero opener, it is just a bear the entire way. It's going to really challenge, you know, going back into my like knuckle dragon mode, but it's really going to challenge the, the lot, the, the culture and the heart and the focus and like all of these <laughs> ways that Mike Norvell has tried to really build up a Florida state program that has been looking to retain some of the confidence and they've taken some L's and they've taken some, some hits on the field, some hits on the recruiting trail, like to get through this and to make it, you know, even to seven wins to get this push that I'm predicting. I think that that is going to be a positive thing for Mike Norvell, but it's a tough schedule. Uh, push lean under for me. So the schedule's brutal. The open date's at a horrible position. Like I know after LSU and you start the week early, but still after two games, then that sets up a brutal gauntlet the rest of the way. Well, they, they get two though, Danny, because like when, when they move Duquesne to week zero, they, they get a double they get open the date. second one. All right. So that helps. If they beat LSU, they get nine wins. If they lose to LSU, I think they get six. Like I think that game matters so much. And I'd, I'd say the last thing about same thing about last year. Like if they had found a way to beat Notre Dame, I think they would have, they would have like at least been an eight win team. I, I like it's it's a, I think that game is worth two wins for Florida State if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. It's that much mentally to them. But like Bud said, like all right, well how's that game going to turn out? I was actually surprised. It's only a three three and a half point number. I thought LSU would have been a little bit, um, a stronger favorite in that one. Um, especially in New Orleans, right? Me too. I, that's why I was a little bit surprised at that number. Um, last year I was more hopeful with my pick, you know, saying, Hey, take Florida State over all day long, didn't come through. So, this one I have to be more realistic. I, I, I'm with you guys. I think seven and five is the number. I think eight and five is a fantastic year, which is crazy to even say that for a Florida State program. But for Mike Norvell, if he could get eight, um, it'd be a phenomenal year. But the schedule is just absolutely brutal. Well, he hasn't made a bowl. Like, right. I mean, we are at least sitting here with the like very obvious scenario. You're going into year three with Mike Norvell. He's eight and thirteen as the Seminoles head coach. He's got a sub five hundred record in conference play. Like seven and five for the like big picture is a good thing to be able to to build forward. It's just eight and four would be um, a, a big time statement about where where they're headed. The other I, thing, too, and you mentioned the losses in the defensive line. I mean, there's a lot of expectation that they're just, oh, we got one transfer on Jermaine Johnson. Jared Verse is just the next guy. We're just going to, he's going to be the same production. I don't, I think Jared Verse is going to be no good. Way. You know, I think he's going to be an impact player, but not the impact that Jermaine Johnson had. I will say the, the guy that I think could help them with, with Jermaine Johnson's loss is Dennis Briggs. Briggs was hurt very early in the year last year. He was a former top 100 recruit who was really coming on. Like he had a great camp last year. They, they were really excited about him. He, he was playing very well until he got rolled up. Uh, he's back. They expect him to start. So it won't solely be the transfer Jared Verse trying to replace him. I, there's no way they're better at DN this year. I mean, you lost a first-round no. pick in Jermaine Johnson. You haven't been recruiting well. So I think that they can minimize drop-off somewhat, but you probably will have to blitz more. I think they're much happier right where they are in the secondary two this year than they were going into last year. I'm, I'm pretty healthy on the under. I've got them at 5.7 wins. I don't even know if they're going bowling. I just, it's possible. 
the schedule, like you've gone over, the schedule is so tough. You get LSU, you get Florida. Now, part of my, I, wor- I wonder with my projections at 5.7, like that Louisiana projection, maybe in real life at that point in the year, you know, now that Napier's gone because it's not probably not going to be the same Louisiana team we've seen the last few years. So maybe that game is a little easier to win. So maybe that bumps it up to six. Tom, but, what do you have them at on that game, by the way? Florida State? Yeah. I have them right now, I have them minus six and a half. Okay, so I have them fifteen five. Mm-hmm. That's probably like, that, that's a like a quarter point difference in our yeah. yeah. And okay. I'm guessing I'm guessing both of my ratings for these teams will be a lot different by the time that game comes around in in November. But yeah, so I just I look at the Florida game, the LSU game. You get your tougher road games. You're at Miami. You're at NC State. You're at Louisville. Those are all the games where I feel like if Florida State's going to get to eight wins, those are the teams that they need to be beating. And to get all those games on the road, ooh, that's just really tough. You add in the non-con. I just I think we've got a five and seven, six and six kind of year coming uh, against ACC opponents. Jordan Travis, twelve touchdowns, two interceptions. It's a little bit flipped. Because they had the Notre Dame game, they they had a pretty tough non-conference schedule as they normally do. I think it's like something like three touchdowns, four interceptions. But Jordan Travis has been capable against their peers in the ACC, and but staying healthy, as Bud mentioned, is certainly he also. But I he also, if you throw in his rushing numbers with that, yeah, because that was just his passing yeah. totals, right? Then yeah. it like gets pretty good. Like you're like, all right, but can you play that way with his body and stay healthy? I thought he was a different quarterback when uh, Mackenzie Milton was kind of shelved a little bit. And they said, all right, this is your team. And I, but they have better receivers. Jordan Travis has to take that next step. If they're going to get eight wins or go over this total, Jordan Travis has to showcase the ability to throw the ball better than he has in his first couple of years. What if we put Jordan Travis in this offense in the Coastal Carolina version of the triple? Hmm. They already do a they lot do. of like spread option types. Mm-hmm. I think they realize like he actually has the athleticism to potentially play another position in the NFL. I don't think he's going to play quarterback in the NFL. I really don't give him any chance of doing that. Um, but they take advantage of his stuff. Look, look at what they did in North Carolina the last mm-hmm. two years, and that's kind of the high water mark for this program. Last two, they put a lot of creative stuff in with his legs. It, like mm-hmm. the arm stuff's fine. Avoiding picks is going to be key, and and but he just creates so many explosive runs. The other thing we didn't mention, like they brought in four receiver transfers. The best one they brought in got in a car crash almost immediately. It's like just their luck, right? Uh, obviously, for the kid, it sucks. He's going to be okay, but he's probably not going to be what he should have been this year. I don't know if he'll be back in time for fall camp in Winston Wright. They need Micah Pittman to be what he sometimes flashed to be at Oregon, but what he consistently was not at Oregon, and that's why he was in the transfer portal, right? Um, they need maybe you know Wilson, the, the kid that got from Arizona State, to be able to catch the ball, which he has not shown an ability to do. They need to kind of moneyball this thing and see, we took these guys in the transfer portal. They were not good at their prior their prior stops. We see something in them that maybe their previous schools did not, and then not a lot of other schools actually wanted these guys. We'll see if FSU staff is right about this. I think the one kid they took who actually really was proven that he could play was Winston Wright. It was a great get for him, and then he you know got in a bad car crash. So we'll Big see. year for the uh, talent evaluation in Tallahassee. In the portal stuff, yeah. We'll see how it goes. Count them up! Going to Boston College, where we've got an over-under win total of a round six with minus 135 to the over, plus 105 to the under. Uh, Phil Dracovic, according to Jeff Halfley, was only fully healthy for one game 
last year. Uh, as he, remember, had the freak accident, thought he was a season-ending hand injury. He ends up coming back and playing down the rest of the season. They said he had about 50% hand strength. He is back to full health. Zay Flowers turns down uh, big money from the transfer portal to be able to stay with Boston College. And, and that dynamic duo is why BC fans are excited about what could be in store for the Eagles this year. The non-conference, it includes Rutgers at Maine at UConn, but it also includes a trip to South Bend to play Notre Dame. When you look at the conference schedule, they've got, they're have got they on the road at NC State. They are on the road at Florida State. They are on the road at Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. Clemson comes uh, to Chestnut Hill, and that is our uh, red bandana game. Duke at home, Syracuse at home, Louisville at home as well. So BC uh, was defensively, um, struggling last year. And when you didn't have Phil Dracovic in there, offensively, they were they were off a, a good bit from where they had shown during their flash in 2020. What's in store for the Eagles? Are the Eagles going to make it to 7-5 and five and be and be bowling again this fall? This is a push for me. I, th- I think six and six is the most likely outcome by far. I think five and seven is just as likely as seven and five for the most part, although I slightly lean seven and five. But I, I, for me, I think that a full healthy season of Jakovic is huge. So if they keep him, that will probably push it even further to the over. But I look at the schedule and this is a, like a road schedule for me. I honestly see them probably going one and five, two and four at best on the road. Like, I think they're going to beat UConn on the road, but their other road games are at Virginia Tech, at Florida State, at Wake, at NC State, at Notre Dame. Those are going to be tough games to win. But if they can go two and four and maybe even get to three and three, then I think they're definitely going to get to seven wins. But it's just when you look at the home schedule, I feel like they're going to kind of have to run the table aside from the Clemson game. I'm not, you know, I don't think they need to do that, but I think they need to be damn near perfect at home. And I think they have the kind of schedule where they can do it. But I also think that I guess this is a long winded way of saying I think they're going to be good at home and bad on the road. Yeah, I Go ahead. You got to make sure that you're taking your power numbers and and adding Jerkovic in for. I mean, he didn't play. He only threw 192 pa- or no 96 passes last mm-hmm. year. Jerkovic, I think, is going to play in the NFL. He's really yeah. talented. That's kind of like an ACC deep cut. Well, obviously, you guys work in college football, but if you're like a listener out there, Jerkovic's got some tools. He he was the number one quarterback prospect in, in the country for a while in, in that recruiting class. He really does have some some physical juice to him. Uh, their offense was not nearly as bad when he was in there, especially when he was healthy as it was with Grossell, who really just couldn't play. My main concern, though, is that – and look, Halfley said on the record, this should be the best defense we've had at Boston College since I've been there. So I'm encouraged by that, and he's a good defensive coach, I believe. But they lost four guys to the draft or just you know graduation on the offensive line. And then Christian Mahogany also is gone for the year. He was probably the best guard in the ACC. He had a preseason injury. I think it was a basketball thing. So now they're, they've lost 3,500 snaps on the offensive line from last year. That's why I'm not going over. My number actually is exactly 6.0. So you want to talk about having no lean at all? I, I just, But I think that they got a lot of winnable games. I like they get Rutgers early. I think Rutgers offense will still be very, very bad. Vatek is on the road, but we don't know what Vatek's going to be. You get Maine. FSU in September in tally is probably a little tough. FSU beat them last year with Dracovic. I could see them going over, Tom. I, but this is a straight push for me. It's literally a flip a coin, whatever you want to put me down for. I'm, I'm 6.0 on the nose. 
I went through it all. Six and six was the record, but I'm going to give him the over. Um, I think this is similar to even more, even probably even more than Wake. Just the the COVID, the development. These are these are types of programs that don't have to play a lot of freshmen. They don't want to play freshmen. They want to, you know, they don't get a lot of four and five stars. They want to develop guys in the program. The defense is littered with seniors and fifth year guys. Um, I think Djokovic might. I mean, it's really tough when you try to rank the top three and four quarterbacks in the ACC. Where do they stand? I think Djokovic still gets left out. It's because statistically he doesn't match up, but gift wise, you know, talent set, he's right there with anybody you stack him up against. I, I, I feel like this is a program too, and you guys know how I feel about Jeff Halfley. I, like in some of these toss up games, I'm going to give him the edge. So I went over. I had him at six and six, but I'm leaning towards the over, thinking they get an upset or two in there. Push, lean under, and it's the it's how much the Boston College game is going to mean to Virginia Tech season, how much the Boston College game is going to mean to Florida State season. Both those games are going to be on the road. Your division showdowns against Wake Forest and NC State, those are both on the road. Those are teams that are going to be fighting for division titles and ACC championships. It, I think it's a bad home road split. I, I see Boston College playing in the military bowl in December. You're like, I I just, I know that we're going to be going around old town Annapolis and Jeff Halfley is going to be out there and maybe Phil Dracovic will play. Maybe he won't. I don't know. He's, he's such a good guy. He's what college football is all about. He probably will play in the military bowl, but that's, that's kind of how I see the Eagles season ending. But I, I, it is a tough split for the toss up games for me. Like it's already been said, I'm, I'm on six and six, but if I had to choose over or under, I'll take that plus money and uh, and I'll take the under for BC. How many games are going to win this fall? The Louisville Cardinals are also at six, minus 130 to the over, plus 100 to the under. You take a look at the Louisville schedule and you've got uh, at UCF in the non-con. You've got USF at home in the non-con. JMU, what's up, Dukes? That game is going to be at home. And then the regular season finale against rival Kentucky, that game will be in Lexington. I think there's a lot of buzz around this team, probably because of some of the success that they've had on the recruiting trail. Also for Malik Cunningham, you know, Danny mentioned it's tough to mention to rank the top three to four quarterbacks in the ACC. I think the top tier is like six or seven. And I probably include Cunningham and what he can do from a total offensive standpoint, thousand yard rushing last season that he's going to be able to do that. This team lost three one-score games during a 6-6 six and six campaign last year. Can they tighten things up? I know they bring in Jermaine Lowell on the defensive side. The defense was just bad. So can Louisville uh, improve? Can Louisville get to seven wins? Or are they another push team for y'all? Where are we at with an over-under win total of six? Oh, give me the over. I, I, I This is probably my favorite play today. Um, it, it it was going to be one that I was that I'll tell you guys in about a minute, but that, that number's already moved. Um, so I'm probably not going to bet this in real life because I think the better bet is just to take them minus the two or two and a half at Syracuse to open the year. Because if you lose that, you're probably not going over. And I'd rather just get my money back after one week rather than than let. I mean, no offense, Caesars, but then let you guys hold my money for four months, right? Uh, but I have them as almost a touchdown favorite in that game. So I, I think Louisville's offense is going to score on almost everybody. I think they'll score on UCF enough as well. T- 
to get that game. I had them favored over FSU, and I think that game should be more than a field goal. I think they're a better team than Florida State is, slightly, but still, like that game is in Louisville. I think they'll beat USF at Boston College is not that intimidating. Um, now, at Virginia is another one. I'm not high on Virginia. So I, I think there's a pretty good shot this team could start 6-0, and uh, and then we're we need to get one down. Now, they're not going to start 6-0, but I think there's a there's like a non-zero shot that they do. JMU lost a lot of important guys to the transfer portal. Like I know that staff was really angry about who they lost and, and how late in the game they lost them. I don't think that's a tough game for them, to be honest. And, uh, I, you know, they get, they get wake at home. So give me the over. I, I, I've got them at like 7.12. Same. Woo! I'm, I'm very much I'm very high on Louisville this year for a lot of the same reasons you just said. I, I love Malik Cunningham. It's funny, you know, in the state of Kentucky, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I know Will Levis is getting the hype now. I wouldn't be shocked if come next spring he's not the first quarterback in that state drafted. But I think that the one thing that scares me and the one thing I think that if they don't go over this total that will get them is I think they can go six and zero in their first six games. But having four years, first six games on the road, including the first two. That could be kind of tricky. That could put them in a few bad spots. And maybe if things go poorly there, it kind of sets up poorly for the rest of the season. But I think just in a vacuum, this is a team that I wouldn't be, I, I think it's going to be the third best team in the division. I think they're going to get to a bowl game. I think, well, not the third, but they're going to be battling with Wake for the third best team in the division. So I'm pretty confidently on the over. I think Malik Cunningham is going to be a big difference maker for them. I think defensively, they're going to be solid i don't think they're going to be great or terrible i just i look at the schedule i look at the quarterback i look at the offense the system the play calling i just think this is going to be a team that surprises people remember uh how bleak it looked with the scott satterfield saga Mm -hmm. remember Mm -hmm. that i mean they kind of bounced back from that pretty impressively right um to me i'm on the over too i for all the reasons you guys put out there um I think they're better team than they were last year. Uh, I'm curious, what do you think of the UCF game? I've got it as a loss, and I still have them in, on the over. That one was one for me. I had them losing two at the bounce house, um, but I st- so that one was kind of like the difference in seven and five and six and six. So I I I think they can win that game. Um, but it was kind of right on the bubble there. But I'm on the over, too. I'm bullish on this team. I think this might be one of the better bets in the ACC. Yeah, one of my boldest uh, moves in the breakdown of Louisville is to give them the win against Pitt at home. And that is a lot. But when it comes to um, going up against a Pitt defense that's going to be very, very, very good, you've got a quarterback that can make things happen. You know, if with you've got a quarterback who can extend the play. You've got someone who uh, can be able to overcome any kind of, you know, uh, any kind of weaknesses that they have along the offensive line. So, you know, I've, I've got a couple spots where, the, you know, that's going to be uh, a little bit of a bold play for me. My losses are at UCF, at Boston College, at Clemson, at Kentucky, and Wake Forest at home. So I've got them seven and five. And I, I don't know about Cunningham being selected first, out of the Kentucky quarterbacks in the NFL draft, but he's my favorite because I don't know how he drinks his coffee, but I'm certain. I'm almost certain that man does not put mayonnaise in his coffee. So I'll, uh, I'll say Cunningham is, is number one, Levis number two on my Kentucky quarterback power rankings. Uh, I'm also on the over with Louisville. 
How many games are going to win this fall? And bringing it home with Syracuse. Syracuse with a win total of four over at minus 160, under at plus 130 at the Caesars Sportsbook. This is a, a season that is going to bring about some some real soul searching for uh, for Syracuse. You know what do, what do you want to be? What do you want your football program to be? Because the over under win total is four. It's going to be very difficult to see uh, the Orange making it to a bowl game. But you know we have seen Dino Babers lead Syracuse, exceed expectations, and reach all the way up to. 10 wins in his time there. They brought in a new offensive coordinator with Bronco Mendenhall's uh, retirement or resignation that left Robert Anai, offensive coordinator at Virginia last year on the market. So all the creativity that we saw from Virginia's offense. Well, now that gets to become uh, some fun with a dual threat quarterback, Garrett Schrader, Sean Tucker at running back, one of the better running backs and more productive running backs in the whole ACC I think that Syracuse offense will be fun. Uh, will the rest of the team be good enough to win against a schedule that includes Purdue in the non-con? It includes Notre Dame in the non-con, uh, also Wagner and UConn. Then in conference play, I, I just don't think there's a lot of spots where Syracuse is going to be a favorite. What is our prediction? What is our bet for Syracuse on the over-under win total set at four? You said the over is at plus 130? No, the I over plus is 160. Oh, plus, no, the over is minus 160. Minus 160. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, under, well, then under. Yeah. Under is plus 130. Then under. Because I, I think this is a push, I, more likely than not. But if I'm getting that kind of juice on the under, I would probably lean that just way just for the sake of the pick. I, I, I look at the schedule, I see two wins for sure. Or not even, but at UConn, Wagner. Okay, cool. Th- those are your two wins. But what are your other two? I, Virginia at home. And that's like, you know, that is even going to be a bananas game. Maybe I'm giving you the Robert and I. Like is it, do I give you the Robert and I? I understand what makes Brennan Armstrong tick, and maybe I can help Syracuse's out. Like Syracuse at quarterback, running back, and linebacker individually, I think are pretty good, but I just have not a lot of confidence in the rest of that squad to be able to, to jump on board in some of these coin flip toss up games. Like, Louisville, Purdue, Florida State. Like, could Syracuse win one of those games? No, I'm, I'm going to hand those all as losses for right now. I, I sorry, go ahead, Danny. I'll, no, I'll no, no I'm curious. Do you think they start off four and one? No, no. So then I um, don't think they get over four. Like, that's yeah, that's kind of the way it gets after the open week. It's like good luck finding another win in there. Like, yeah, I think Purdue and Virginia are probably more winnable than they look on the surface. But I don't think they're gonna win. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna be you know the favorite to win either of them. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of that same spot there. Um, so a couple things that really concern me about this team. If you played more than 250 snaps on the defensive line for Syracuse last year, do you know where you are this year? Not at Syracuse. Not in Syracuse, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that that's a problem. Now they do return a lot on the offensive line, but it's a lot of guys that have some pretty serious injury history. Some guys who had some offseason surgeries, and I'm. I'm a little skeptical that everybody comes back and plays uh, to the quality of performance you would expect a, a person of that uh, that experience to play. I don't think that their receiving core is is great. Uh, personally, Sean Tucker's a stud. I also don't know why that we're expecting Garrett Trader to all of a sudden become a good passing quarterback. I think he's a much better runner than he is a passer, to be honest. And look, maybe this whole, hey, we're going to play the, the Virginia-style offense is just totally bunk. 
right? Well, I don't, Robert I don't think he's going to throw it a billion times, yeah. but I do think the shifts, I do think the creativity, we want to do some deception. We want to try to make the defense think too much. And when you've got two really capable runners in Schrader and Tucker, that's kind of where I'm gaming this out to look like. That's what I think they'll do, Chip. Because like, think about Renai back at BYU did have some running quarterbacks and did quite well with them. So uh, I think that this will probably be a little more similar to what they did last year than it is fully to what UVA did. I, I agree. Um, I already bet this team under at five and a half minus one ninety, and I really, uh, I think that was either Caesars or uh, WinBet. Wow, uh, about a month ago. Like to me, that was that was I was going to pay like two thirty for that one ninety. I mm-hmm. thought was great. Um, if I'm wrong on my underpick, it's because the secondary is really damn good. The offensive line stays healthy. You know, they they limit explosive plays enough. They win in the red zone a little bit, and they were also one of the probably the worst power five team on special teams last year, except for Nebraska. So if that just regresses to the mean a little bit, possibly they can find five. Uh, but I think they're more of a four and eight type team. Yeah, I got them three and nine, and uh, there is a little bit in the back of my mind of like, well, what's What's going on at the end of the season? Well, how about this? We're about to get out of here, and I, I don't want to cause doom and gloom for Syracuse fans, especially who've waited all the way for the end of this, but uh, do you think Dino Babers is leading the Orange in 2023? I don't no. know. Yeah, probably not, but I don't know. And I like Dino a lot, man. Like I, like, I enjoy right? talking to him. I don't think he's a bad coach. I think we're going to look back at this era of coaches who got hired between like 18 and 20 and realized that there was a whole lot of crazy stuff going on in this in this sport that had long-term ramifications that were somewhat out of your control, be it the early signing period getting dropped when you only had like a week to prepare if you were somebody who got hired in, in 18, or you know, COVID hitting if you were somebody who got hired in 20. I think a lot of these firings that we're going to see you know, this year, next year, and probably the last year too, are going to bounce back and be just fine. And we're going to realize, oh, yeah, you know what? These guys could coach. And there were a lot of circumstances outside their control that, that limited what they could do. Do you know how hard this job is? Very I mean, like, where are you going to find better than Dino? Would be my question. Like, if they were can- now, let's see how the year plays out. Like, how bad? Like, what are Jim the scores? You know, run like, the triple. <laughs> might be able to do that. That's why it's a, I say it's a soul searching. You know, Syracuse University. Like, what what do you want from your football program? How much are you willing to spend? And you know, what's it going to look like? Because it's uh, this this is a four win schedule. And so are, are you another year of not being bullying after you'd sort of changed expectations a good bit with that 10 win season. Um, it'll be very interesting. So we, we all on the under nobody jumping on the over here. Technically, I, I'm on the 160, push. man. Yeah. Hey, and, uh, and shout out to honorary ACC Atlantic division member UConn, because as the chat has pointed out, uh, ACC opponents as they're trying to get wins and load up on that non-conference schedule, Giving Jim Moore a call, uh, the UConn plays three ACC teams, and all of them come in the Atlantic Division. Uh, Syracuse on September 10th, NC State on September 24th, and Boston College on October 29th. Is UConn the Notre Dame of the ACC was, Atlantic? Yes, yes. We can obviously see that UConn has entered a partial membership agreement. You're now bound by the grant of rights. I'm sorry, UConn. <laughs> you now belong to the ACC till 2036. You can follow him on Twitter at BudElliott3. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Tom Fernell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We'll be back on Wednesday with the ACC Coastal Division. One last year of Coastal Chaos before we scrap divisions in the ACC altogether. We'll break down all that and more. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.
Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.